Talk Property with Ian Collins. Hello and welcome to Talk Property, the UK's number one property podcast. Coming up on this episode. There's uncertainty in all aspects of the finances currently. To solely blame the government's probably wrong, but it's been certainly a big contributor to the uncertainty. And this. There are certain circumstances around the state that the property is in when the transaction takes place that can allow for a partial or even a full reclaim of the stamp duty. All of that and more on the way. Talk Property with Ian Collins, brought to you by Property Notify, the UK's leading source of property sector news. Are you a landlord, investor or thinking about getting into property? If so, then the National Landlord Investment Show is perfect for you. Attend our free one-day events across the UK and immerse yourself in an environment rich in property-based information, services and opportunities to grow your portfolio. Whether you're interested in landlord tax advice, finance, legal issues, insurance, investment opportunities, or the latest prop tech, you'll find everything you could ever need at our shows. Having delivered over 75 shows since our inception in May 2013, we're now excited to be celebrating our 10th birthday next year. For more information and to register for your free show tickets, visit landlordinvestmentshow.co.uk. National Landlord Investment Show the UK's number one landlord and property investment exhibition. Let's meet our panel for this episode. Phil Bryant, Head of Financial Planning at Acuity, and Joe Hegarty, Mortgage Advisor. Afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Ian. How are you? Yeah, good at this centre. Tell everybody a little about Acuity for those who don't know. So Acuity Professional, we're a multidisciplinary practice. We, we, We look at accounting, we look at financial planning, we look at tax planning, we look at succession planning and legal and provide a, a roundtable approach to, to professional advice. And in terms of the current climate, where we're at, I mean, it's just worth having a moment to digest what is going on around us at the moment. It's not a, uh, it's anything but a sort of a, a, a straightforward picture out there right now, yeah? Uh, there's definitely a few challenges. Obvious one being inflation having a, a significant knock-on effect to the cost of borrowing yeah. at both government level and, and personal level. And uh, the, the real concern at the minute is where that's going. I think the uh, inflation rate, if you look at the states, we tend to follow them quite quite closely, has slowed down a little. Uh, and I think if that happens here, that will have a positive impact. But without wishing to get too political, the, the kind of shenanigans of the mini budget uh, have, have caused a lot of uh, upward pressure on the uh, on the guilt yield of the of the government bond sector, which is pushing that cost of borrowing up, uh, and mortgages, those that are coming off fixed rates at a certain point in the not too distant future, coming off one point twos, one point threes, are looking at some slightly eye watering uh, options. Yeah, uh, and there's nothing uh, like a, a, an enemy than the lack of confidence, right? And uh, and even uncertainty. That, that's fair, isn't it? That it, it, it's the kind of not knowing, uh, and as you rightly say. This mini budget, regardless of where people sit, it has certainly provoked an awful lot of uncertainty. It has. I mean, it has. And I think to solely blame the government's probably wrong, but it's been certainly a big contributor to the uncertainty. 
And I think if you look at kind of funding um, what could be some some pretty significant tax cuts with a borrowing strategy, that's going to create uncertainty in that bond market and it's just going to create a, a, an upward pressure on the cost of, of borrowing. So there's uncertainty in all in all aspects of, of finances currently in, in terms of globally, what's going on with the, the Ukraine-Russia um, issues, what's going on yeah. in terms of some of the equity markets in the States. It's There, there are some challenges. There are definitely some headwinds. It's like we're in a mad Netflix show, right? <laughs> so you could definitely, yeah, you could definitely televise this. I think, I, yeah, and I'd watch it every week. I'd be there with the popcorn. Pretty, pretty captivating, I think. <laughs> Where does it go next? I mean, tell us about the, I mean, the, the effect of property values and things like that, because again, this is also in that bracket of uncertainty. Are we seeing anything specific, anything tangible changing right now? Well, there's, there's, there's certainly uh, we deal with quite a lot of portfolio landlords. Um, and the, the, the strategy has always been kind of maximise the leverage scenario and, and, and buy as many properties in, in the portfolio as possible, which is I'm not saying that's not the right strategy. But what happens with that kind of strategy is, is you end up at a 70, 75% LTV situation. And values are fine as long as as long as they are increasing or, or even maintaining. But if that starts then coming down, that there is an issue in terms of the remortgage situation. There is an issue of even being able to find lending with regards to those values. And of course, the the, the rates that are being made available via these new mortgages mm. just change the whole scenario of, of, the, of the finances going round for those situations. So we've got to be really nimble. We've got to be looking at all the, uh, the, the, the tax benefits, opportunities that could be made available uh, to ensure that these, uh, these choppy waters are navigated as, as best as possible. Yeah. And I guess, Joe, it's, um, I mean, having the right advisor, I know we could say, well, you will say this, won't you? But having the right advisor who knows how to look around is is absolutely crucial right now. Yeah, exactly. Whether you're purchasing or remortgaging, because I, I don't know whether this is sort of unique to us, but we're not, we haven't had a slowdown in, in people wanting to acquire property either. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, we, uh, we can look at any and every lender and that's i mean that's great it's it's about their criteria really that separates them as much as the price does so yeah absolutely uh, in terms of those kind of deals that are out there what happens in that market does does everybody kind of gravitate to common ground different lenders or are, are there real extremities here uh, that's an interesting question actually there was a while testing my memory here but this was actually before the mini budget i think from the start of this year actually we we launched a campaign to reach out to all of our clients because that like phil said we're a um multidisciplinary firm so we actually have some clients that would have signed up with us for something not mortgage related or maybe not even financial planning related and not known that it's a service that we offer. And we made an outreach to suggest that they consider locking their rates in now because we are anticipating some pretty sharp increases. And, and you know, that sort of started to happen. And then when, you know, people always catch on a little bit more slowly, when rates started to go up, Lenders were, and I know this from speaking to our BDM contacts in the lenders, they they almost wanted to race to the bottom of the sourcing page, so price themselves out of the market to to, to stop the flow of because they were just inundated with uh, with fixed rate applications. So in terms of the them finding common ground, they weren't trying to, but they all ended up quite competitive because they all increased their rates, you know, at the same time. 
for the same purpose. And Phil, it's funny, isn't it? When you look at the, the various pictures around property, it's always an industry that is, has headlines that emanate from it. There's always something happening in that industry. There is, a, a, I suppose, another angle, because you know, many people get quite pessimistic about things. But you know, the world hasn't stopped lending. Uh, people haven't stopped buying. There's perhaps just a maybe a note of caution from, from some people. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's, it's probably more of a correction than anything, uh, anything more fake. Uh, and it, it, it goes to that um, age-old adage that people want to lend to quality and, and strategies need to contain quality and clear paths in terms of what is trying to be achieved, which uh, if people look at maybe professionalising uh, portfolios with regards to corporate structures, uh, that that kind of option, that kind of strategy is is, is becoming very popular and, uh, and going some way to solving some of these uh, challenges that they're facing. But there's still definitely opportunities. There may be some slight downward trends in terms of valuations. So for those people in a, in, in a good position, cash buyers, those with a, a bit of headroom in terms of their LTV, there's definitely some opportunities there. Uh, and we've seen at the start of the year, there's been the kind of commercial to residential uh, conversion sector has been quite interesting in moving in a positive direction. Uh, and I think that will continue to be a, a, a good option for investors uh, for 2023. What, what are the implications of that converting to sort of more formal structures? Well, in, in terms of the formal corporate structures that we would probably want to be talking to clients about, uh, one of the main reasons that people uh, look for advice in this in this part of the industry was the, the Section 24 changes that HMRC brought in a few years ago, because I'm sure some of your listeners will agree that the, the property sector seems to be targeted uh, and can be excused for feeling a bit hard done by sometimes in terms of um, kind of bearing the brunt of some of the, the government changes. And if you look at the, um, the energy certificate uh, requirements coming in in 2025 to get a C rating, the reason that that happened in the buy-to-let sector is because it's been perceived that, that that sector can afford to burden that that liability, and that's going to cost anything up to sixteen billion pounds. So, it has as as a sector, it's been a little bit, I think, um, or it could be excused for feeling a little bit hard done by in terms of Section Twenty Four and some of these some of these changes. Yeah, yeah. So maybe. Well, I mean, it's a sector, isn't it? With, with more rules and regulations coming in by the you know every year, there's another set of rules to adhere to. Correct, and I think if you if you go back in in time in terms of COVID, it was it was a sector that probably wasn't as helped as many others, and um, it, you know it, it does burden the brunt of the perceived Middle England sector of people that can afford to do so, and I think that's sometimes quite unfair. So, in terms of the corporate structure side of things, it enables people to kind of professionalise their their portfolio. It enables them to be more efficient with taxation, certainly in terms of direct tax with. Um, section 24 and then indirect tax with reliefs for things like pensions and, and life cover and succession planning so looking to, to to pass properties down generations it's much easier to do so within a, a shares structure rather than a bricks and mortar structure so it just enables those like us who uh, can put the planning into place have more tools available to us yeah and it's worth saying as well, Joe, you know, landlords have mortgages too. There's a kind of big old perception out there that, you know, every landlord is a multi-billionaire that owns 500 properties and they don't, you know, have to think about it after that. But of course, that's certainly not the case. No, no, exactly. And I, it, they can be sort of villainized in, in, in exactly the way that you just described. It's something that I've been 
having some conversations with clients about recently because the rates going up on on buy to let properties directly impacts the amount that they can borrow against that property or that the property can afford to borrow itself and many of our landlords probably pride themselves in the fact that they haven't raised rents for you know x number of years because they get along with the tenant and they like to avoid churning the tenants and it's a conversation that some of them are going to have to start to have because they're you know they're just to get them back in line with the market now you can't raise rents as sharply as the bank of england's raising interest rates but you know you, you, you can do what you can to, to sort of mitigate that of course and again, there are some you know brutal realities aren't there i was talking to a a landlord a couple of weeks ago who, who found himself in that position where he had to speak to some very good tenants that he had uh but the that the rent wasn't going to cover the mortgage. I mean, it was literally as simple as that. Um, yeah. he'd, done, and he'd done everything he could. The, the tenants liked him. He liked the tenants. But he found himself through all manner of different situations, not least uh, interest rate rises, that he, he just he, he would literally be costing him to have somebody rent his property. Yeah, exactly right. And, and, and hopefully the market rent would cover the mortgage because of it, you know, I mean, I don't think any tenant's going to pay above market for the sake of their landlord's mortgage, but, but yeah, exactly right. It's a, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, and just tell us a little bit, Phil, about investing in this area, because, you know, there's a, there was always a school of thought, you know, bricks and mortar, that's where you invest. And, you know, you can't go wrong. A brick is worth more than a block of gold. You hear all of this stuff. There's a good reason why people come from abroad to buy up half of big cities, etc. Is that still the case? Is it is it still very much a good investment? Is it still very much one of the soundest ways to go, despite the current uncertainty in some areas? No, and I do believe it is. And I think one of the reasons at a very basic level is that we live on an island and land is a, is a commodity that we don't have an endless supply of. Um, but it's important to try and diversify portfolios. It's important to try and uh, diversify income streams. Uh, and it's important to use uh, tax reliefs that are, that are available to us in terms of just pure property as a, as a bricks and mortar ownership. We don't, it doesn't attract the same kind of benefits of, of pension uh, or ISAs or SIPs or other kinds of more traditional investment wrappers. But if you actually then hold it in the correct way uh, and you make the most of the reliefs that are available, there are things that can be done to, to kind of maximise the efficiency of holding that property over a longer term yeah you mentioned the word correction earlier philip I and mean, it's reasonable to say isn't it that i mean no, nobody ever said like any other industry everything just flows fluently in one direction all the time i mean there's nothing strange that a market would have moment, peaks troughs just moments of interference external issues global issues domestic issues i mean this is all you know, in the grander scale of things, it's all fairly natural stuff, right? It's cyclical. It's very natural. It's very cyclical. It's on the backdrop of, of, of quite a lot of properties going up 20% in the last 18 months. So there there are knee-jerk reactions, which are understandable, but probably un- unnecessary. And we, with all kinds of investing, with all kinds of strategies, we, we take a long-term view. It's, it's really, in terms of property, I think it's the kind of short-term practicalities that we just need to uh, try and ward off as, as best that we can. Because like anything else, these corrections, I'm sure, will only um, be with us over a short period of time. And then there will be an element of, of normality that we get back to. But it's interesting about the rates because there is a, a kind of perception that money is cheap and it has been cheap 
for, for as long as we can remember. But if you look at historically what the interest rates have been, where we've been since 08, 09 has been has been an abnormality, but people have kind of become used to operating in that in that environment. And we need to just, I think, make people aware and, and uh, create as many tools as we can that there's going to be a slightly new norm. But that new norm will be very serviceable. Will be, you know, there will be an ability to be efficient in that environment. You just need to, let's say, put the right planning into place. Yeah. And Joe, fair to say, I suppose, when you consider you know, the property market over the last X amount of decades in this country, even 2008, you know, a global financial crash. And we heard all those headlines before that about the world is going to end and, you know, the property market will fall through the floor. And there was, to use that word again, a bit of a correction, but it was never, it never fell through the floor, did it? I mean, this was just a, it was an era where things were tough in some areas, but not every area experienced that. And and, and very, considering what had happened very soon, simply recorrected itself again yeah yeah sharply as well that's right I'm, i've never been a big stats person but i think i do know that you know in the in the first year following the crash property values went down on a, on a sort of national level by about eight percent and then another eight the following year or something and then and then shot right back up but you just hit the nail on the head the whole property market in the uk doesn't move as one you know, so while it might have been slower in some parts down south, southeast over you know, a little while, other northern cities were growing really quite fast. So, you know, I think there's obviously every landlord's different, but some will cast a wider net and consider almost anywhere to put, to, to put their money. And, you know, there's there's always it's always worth keeping your eye on. And Phil, question about inheritance tax, because certainly this one comes up a fair bit. And when people are planning their finances around property, there is, of course, uh, an issue of succession planning, which I think is, you know, only reasonable to mention. Nobody likes any kind of tax. But I mean, what, what, what is the smart advice on that at the moment? Because that one, it's another one of those subjects that never fully goes away. Once in a while, there's a debate and people have different views on it. Where are we on this? Well, in times as when the government are probably slightly overspending and looking to recoup money, it's it's potentially another one that's quite an easy target. So it's one to be aware of in the in the future as well. And I personally think it's quite a uh, it's quite a tough tax because you kind of pay tax throughout your whole life in terms of income, VAT, um, and then they, they politely ask you to pay some more when you when you leave this mortal coil. But where we look at portfolio landlords or any kind of landlords for that matter, it's quite difficult to do proper, sophisticated, um, successful succession planning with bricks and mortar. It's it's about trying to, to provide an environment where you're doing succession planning with regards to shares because it just gives you more ability to, um, to put that planning in place. And having a really efficient structure, corporate structure, enables you to, to have very, very tax-efficient life cover to cover any liability, um, to you know, take advantage of certain reliefs which don't necessarily incur you know, the seven-year rule for, for those that um, want to be gifting things. Uh, and it can provide some generational protection for for kids and grandkids because it's quite when you when you look at a portfolio landlord who's got seven properties and three kids, it, it's quite difficult to just give the properties in their entirety because it won't necessarily be a fair distribution. And then the person that's gifting that property can no longer benefit from any income from it; otherwise, it's deemed to still be in their estate. But if you do so within a within a corporate structure, it's it, it, there's a lot more flexibility, and you can do things more successfully. True. 
Or you could just pick your favourite kid, I suppose. Well, that's what I keep telling my mum and dad. So uh, <laughs> uh, you could definitely adopt that approach. There, there is that. Just mm-hmm. a final point. Talking of tax, we, we did a whole radio programme about taxes that didn't make sense recently. And the one that came out above any others. I mean, inheritance tax was in there. And I suppose often, depending on where people sit politically, some people are very uh, big advocates of inheritance tax. I think it's absolutely the right thing. But you know, for others, and I, I would say for most, they weren't of that view. But stamp duty seemed to be the one that came up as under the bracket of what the heck is that all about? And I know they've made some changes to all of this, Joe, but it is such a curious tax, isn't it? If you consider it, you're going to be taxed for the audacity of moving house. I've always thought that myself as well, but I suppose the fact that it doesn't, as you know, we've we've basically been saying, it doesn't seem to really deter anybody because the property market just goes yes. and goes. Yeah. So, so you know, I guess we can be a bit glass half full about it in that sense. But yeah, I've, I've never really understood why it is such a such a large tax. It's the same in my home country in Australia. It's, um, I don't know, I don't know what it's for. Yeah. Oh, well, a couple of years ago, I, I sat there, me and my other half, and we were looking, there was a house for sale on the other side of the road. Uh, and this is, you probably know where I'm going with this. And we, we looked at it and thought, well, that'd be great. And, you know, we were talking about how weird it would be to move house and wouldn't need a removal van because literally it was, you know, X amount of meters away. And you just have to, over the course of a day, you could carry it all over there. You could carry a sofa, but you wouldn't need anybody. And yet to move from there to there was going to cost, I don't know, 16,000 quid or whatever. And when you look at it like that, that's a bit insane. It is. Stamp duty is always an interesting one uh, because, again, it's mentioned earlier, it's that kind of middle England being picked on a little bit. uh, And it's a tough one to to reconcile because there's enough cost involved with with these kind of purchases anyway. But what's interesting with stamp duty is its perception. um, And one thing that caused the, the, the fairly large increase in the house prices after COVID was the, um, the the changes that were classed as short-term changes to stamp duty. And you ended up seeing people actually overspending on the property far more than the saving of the stamp duty, but they felt like they were getting a... Uh, it, it was the right way to do it because they're getting a saving on stamp duty. So I can see why the government have, have kind of tweaked it and is slightly more fair now, especially for those with, with multiple holdings. So... That's quite positive in terms of, of, of trying to maintain value in terms of the property sector with the caveat of as long as we can you know, create the, the, the funding and, and the financing to achieve it. So there's, there's some positive shoots in terms of what the government are trying to do with regards to, to that part of uh, the property transaction tax. There's a, there's a figure in the billions uh, in this country of overpaid stamp duty that can potentially be claimed back, which, uh, which we're working on. Oh, wow. Tell us well. more. Basically, stamp duty is generally paid by the conveyancer. And it, it, there are certain circumstances around the, the state that the property is in when the transaction takes place that can allow for a partial or even a full reclaim of the stamp duty um, that, that, that we could potentially look into for clients as well. Good work. I got a mate who reckons stamp duty is just the slush fund for when the government mess up. That it just sort of <laughs> sits there with billions of pounds in it, and you know when they run out of stuff or can't afford something, they, somebody around the cabinet table just goes, "Oh, the stamp duty fund. Let's 
read that. And that there is some kind of weird, perverse logic in what he says. Well, it's, it's just because it feels like it's someone putting a finger up in the air that's a little bit damp. Yeah. And there's no premise behind the calculation or, or reasoning behind what they're, what they're trying to achieve. I think it is. Uh, just before we finish, Phil, tell us uh, where people can find out more information about Acuity and the kind of stuff you do. What's the best website, etc.? So we've we've got our own uh, website and landing page, which is uh, acuityprofessional.com. All of our email addresses are, are on that website and we'd be happy to, to, to help people. Our real um, focus market is the, the, the landlord sector, the professional landlord sector, the portfolio landlord sector. And it's about really, as I said earlier, helping those people be as efficient and as effective using the most of the reliefs that they might not even be aware of to, to make the portfolio you know, work as hard for them as, as possible to, to navigate these. Hopefully not too choppy, but slightly choppy waters that we might be faced with over the forthcoming period. Indeed. Phil, Joe, thank you, guys. We will speak again soon. Thank Pleasure. you very much. Phil Bryant, Joe Hegarty with us on the programme. That's it for this episode of Talk Property. We'll see you on the next one. Talk Property with Ian Collins. Brought to you by Property Notify, the UK's leading source of property sector news. Are you a landlord, investor or thinking about getting into property? If so, then the National Landlord Investment Show is perfect for you. Attend our free one-day events across the UK and immerse yourself in an environment rich in property-based information, services and opportunities to grow your portfolio. Whether you're interested in landlord tax advice, finance, legal issues, insurance, investment opportunities or the latest prop tech, you'll find everything you could ever need at our shows. Having delivered over 75 shows since our inception in May 2013, we're now excited to be celebrating our 10th birthday next year. For more information and to register for your free show tickets, visit landlordinvestmentshow.co.uk. National Landlord Investment Show, the UK's number one landlord and property investment exhibition.